Okay, I need you to picture something in your mind for a second. Think about the worst thing that anyone has ever done to you or to your family. Okay, picture that. Now, how would you feel or react if that person who had done that thing came to their senses, turned back to God, repented, and was forgiven? That's exactly what today's gospel is all about. God's desire for even his most sinful child to come back to him, to come back to life and be fully reconciled. Today's gospel reading was tough in Jesus' time, and it's tough in our own time, given the events that have been kind of going on in the world these last few weeks and months and even years. You know, in the gospel reading we just heard, Jesus was surrounded by tax collectors and sinners. And in some of the other gospels, it describes in a little bit more detail who some of the sinners were. Um, and they're typically people that uh, the Pharisees and the scribes would try to avoid for being afraid of uh, becoming unclean, for being found around them, for simply being near them. So the religious leaders of the time basically had written those people off as being untouchable, maybe unreachable, uh, definitely unworthy of God's friendship, God's love, and his forgiveness, much like the younger son in today's parable. You know, we might not quite understand the gravity of this parable because we live in the 21st century and not the first century. When the younger son approached his father and said, you know, give me my part of the inheritance that's coming to me, back then it was seen as the son saying to his dad, I wish you had already passed away. And those are difficult words, but think about that for a minute. Imagine the child that you had raised for 18 years, you know, the one you rocked and cradled as a baby, took to the doctor every time they were sick, the one you kind of tried your hardest to give the best opportunities to, um, the one you made so many sacrifices for, comes up to you one day and says, you know, mom and dad, you need to sell everything. I want my stuff because I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. Think about that for a minute, because that's what that son had done. You know, back then in that society, and maybe even today's society, um, that'd be seen as pretty much uh, unforgivable, maybe. The father would have been well within his rights to disown his son, just kick him off the property, say, you're not any son of mine anymore. But that's not what the father in the parable did. You know, this parable is called the parable of the prodigal son, and it's rightly so because the word prodigal, I looked it up, says profuse and wasteful expenditure, which is exactly what the younger son did when he wasted his inheritance by going off to that country and basically just partying all the time and doing whatever it is he wanted to do in a Gentile land. So he squandered his inheritance on wild living, worldly pleasures, and he turned his back on his father. And not only on his father, but on his father's fathers, on the faith of the fathers. I mean, he was a Jewish man serving a Gentile farmer who had pigs. Now, the word prodigal has a second meaning. It's abundant. And it's this definition that's so important in this parable because it portrays a father as also being prodigal in abundantly giving mercy to the son, or the son who had sinned so gravely against him. Picture in your mind the depths of the son's sin in contrast with the heights of the father's mercy. You see, where the younger son focuses hard on his own selfish desires, the father focused his heart 
firmly on selfless love, on loving his lost son so much that he is willing to give him the freedom he desired to even turn away from him, but also on loving him so much that he willingly and abundantly restored him to full sonship when he came home and sought his father's mercy. You know, the father wasn't stingy in his forgiveness. He didn't say, I might forgive him someday if he comes home groveling to me. No, the father actively watched and waited for his son's return. The gospel said that the father saw him while he was still a long way off. The son hadn't even made it home yet. And the father ran out to him. First century Jewish men do not run. Okay, it's a pride thing. He ran out to him, interrupted his rehearsed speech of repentance, embraced him, ordered his servants to kill the fatted calf, give him a royal robe, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. And all these things denoted the fact that his son was restored to full sonship with the father. Let me ask you something. When was the last time somebody desired your forgiveness? How did you respond? Did you respond like the father did in actively seeking out his or her return, maybe cutting off their apology mid-sentence and giving them a hug and restoring them, desiring that restoration over that feeling of, I don't know, hurt that maybe you felt because somebody offended you? You know, there's another way to respond, and it's a response that we heard in the gospel when we get to the older brother. You know, near the end, we encounter this firstborn brother. He was faithful. Maybe a better word might be a dutiful son working out at his father's fields. And when he heard the music and the dancing and the laughter, the older brother learned that his brother had returned home and was forgiven. And he became angry. You know, the thought that his brother, the one that had hurt his dad so much and hurt the family so much, who had lost everything by the way he lived, was now restored to full sonship, aided him so much he couldn't even go back into the house. I'll bet he probably thought these words, you know, my brother made his bed, let him lay in it. How many times in our own lives have we thought something similar? Times where we found our hearts maybe to be more like the elder son's hearts, kind of like the religious leaders that Jesus addressed the parable to, desiring to keep God for ourselves, you know, it's good people, and keeping our hearts maybe hurt against those people that offended us. You know, the very ones that Jesus sought out. You know, the one like the prodigal son. But that's not God's heart, to cast away the sinner. Like the other two parables in chapter 15 of Luke's gospel, the parable of the prodigal son illustrates that it's the father's heart to seek the lost. You know, to seek out those who we might write off as being unforgivable or prodigals and fully restore them, restore us as his sons and daughters. And this desire of God is towards everyone, all of us here today, and all of them, whoever they might be. In today's second reading, John reminds us that we are called children of God. And as his children, as his church, as his hands and feet in the world, we are to have his heart for others, for the lost and for sinners, because of the love that he's bestowed on us as his children. Why? Well, so through us working in union with him, he might bestow the same love and mercy on them that he continues to give to us. And as he continues to seek and restore everyone back to himself, 
That's what today's readings are all about, to help us know in the very fiber of our beings how infinitely God loves us, how he actively seeks to forgive us, to reconcile us to himself so that not only can we experience his love and mercy, but so that we can take this love and mercy, this reconciliation of God out into the world to others. I mean, we go out in the world and meet so many people. We are God's children and we are called to be his image of mercy for everybody we encounter, even those we might think are unforgivable. In a few weeks on the first Sunday after Easter, we'll celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday here in the church. It's one of my most favorite feasts. I'd like to close the quote from St. Faustina's diary in which she recorded conversations that she had with Jesus. And if you, like the prodigal son, have ever had any doubt about God's willingness to forgive you, then this quote should remove that doubt from your mind. This is what Jesus said to the soul, which was filled with fear that its sins were too great to be forgiven. Jesus said, my mercy is greater than your sins and those of the entire world. Who can measure the extent of my goodness? For you I descended from heaven to earth. For you I allowed myself to be nailed to the cross. For you I let my sacred heart be pierced with a lance, thus opening wide the source of mercy for you. Come then with trust to draw graces from this fountain of mercy. I never reject a contrite heart. Your misery has disappeared in the depths of my mercy. Do not argue with me about your wretchedness. You will give me pleasure if you hand over to me all of your troubles and griefs, and I shall heap upon you the treasures of my grace. You know, just like the heart of the merciful Father in today's parable, that is the heart of our merciful Father. You know, we always pray every day of our lives, Lord, make our hearts like yours.